2: I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money investing, and more. You can call the show 800 516 1220. It's 800 516 1220 to get your calls on the air. Got, always have a seminar coming up. And what are seminars? They're not as horrible as they sound. They're infotaining. Um, they're quick, they're fast, they're furious, there's a lot of content. Um, I've always made it a purpose of educating the people, per se. Um And I got one coming up in in um, Palo Alto at the Elks Lodge coming up on the 20th. So that's about 11 days away. It's not one event. It's two events. I think there's two types of people. There's wealth accumulators and there's wealth managers. Wealth accumulators are people who are under 50 years old and who are still trying to figure out how much money do I need to retire? How much have I saved? How do I save? And then there's wealth managers, people who are 50 and over who hopefully have saved enough money that now they're at the point where they can say, You know, now I got to make things right. It's kind of like, um, you don't want to crash at that point in time. Joining me now to talk a little bit about these events uh, coming up at the Elks Lodge in Palo Alto, and you can sign up for either event at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. CFP Chad Burton. Mr. Burton, how are you? Doing well, doing very well. That people can get it in for free if they're radio listeners by using the code RADIO25 radio twenty five at newfocusfinancial.com. Now, recently, Chad, Warren Buffett compared stocks, specifically the F- S&P 500, because that's a big, broad index, to bonds. And basically, he said, bonds are terrible. Or as uh, Charles Barkley would say, terrible. They're terrible. How's a person close to retirement supposed to process the idea that bonds are terrible? Because... I think we're taught for you know most of our financial lives that bonds are part of retirement.
3: Well, I think first of all you got to it was it was probably my least favorite interview of all time. <laughs> Just um, I mean, the good news is that he does you know realize when he makes mistakes. He missed out on Amol or app, Amazon and Apple, and let's combine those two companies into one. I Maybe mean, that's a good idea. Fair but enough. Um, uh, you know made mistakes on IBM. Um, really, he's just not been a great tech investor in general, right? And he'll be the right. first one to admit that. Right. right. Um, he was specifically talking about the 30-year bond, though. I mean, he's done a lot of bond deals in the past. In fact, during right after and during the Great Recession, he did some convertible bond deals. Um, the 30-year bond is something that's paying such a historically low interest rate if you buy it and hold it for 30 years, you're going to get a very, very small income that in 10 years after inflation kicks in, it's going to feel like absolutely nothing. And you'll be stuck holding it because if you sell it, you'll be selling at a major loss if rates go up. So he's talking about 30, so many other bonds and bond types out there. Um, and I think he was more addressing, say, the 30, 40, maybe 50 year old that's got you know, 15, 20 years to retirement versus a retiree. So that's the first thing to kind of look at the context of what he was saying. Um, And he's also a guy, Rob, that, you know, if he buys a company that he really believes in and it drops 20, 30, 40, 50%, he doesn't really care too much. He'll buy more if he believes that the cash flow is good. Um, They can have the ability to either grow revenues or cut costs and increase earnings. He'll just buy more. Well, when the person's retired and they've you know, built this uh, pool of money that they're going to live off of for the rest of their life and that drops by 40% because they don't have any cushions like cash or bonds, they're going to panic and they're not going to be enjoying retirement. So you've really got to process what he's talking about. There's a lot of different bonds um, out there anywhere that are much more shorter in maturity that you still want to have in your portfolio. You also have to realize that balanced portfolios... Those that had a mix of stocks and bonds outperformed the stock market, especially from an area like 1999 to 2009, that 10-year period, that lost decade, when the S&P uh, you know got hit twice. Um, it also, even if somebody's say 40, 50 years old and they have 15% in bonds, when well, the market does have a nice little 10, 15% dip, which happens, you know, every three to five years. That gives you ammo to rebalance and have some money on, you know, in your portfolio that's sheltered. That gives you the ability to buy at that, that next decade's buying opportunity. So it's only in the right type of bond. Thirty-year bonds really subject to a loss if interest rates go up, and it gives you ammo to rebalance.
2: So you're going to be speaking at the two events. The first one's going to be nine to eleven, and that's tied towards retirement income and retirement. And, uh, planning for, um, basically from age 60 to 100, I like to say, hopefully we get to 100 in good health and then we just kick over and run out of money. Um, uh, you're going to be talking from 9 to 11. People can sign up for it dot newfocusfinancial.com and use the code word radio25 to get in for free. Um, now, changing the content a little bit. So what mix should be people be looking at as we get closer to retirement? Cause honestly, I don't have a lot of bonds. I got more cash than I have bonds for sure. Yeah, and then I don't you know, I
3: don't really own a lot either because I'm still building wealth and um I don't really have a reason right now to own a lot of bonds. Um there's certain times where high yield and foreign look attractive, but um I'm constantly, you know, putting money into my accounts and buying. I have ammo to buy. And once you get to retirement and it's really you wanna be set up five years from retirement, my favorite type of allocation is Three years worth of portfolio draws in cash, and then usually a 65-35, 65% growth, 35% defensive kind of uh, allocation. Um, so it's kind of the favorite, but not everybody is the same. Some people are much more conservative and they can't handle a lot of volatility, and some people are aggressive. Now, it's okay to be aggressive if you have a very diversified income stream, like real estate income from your rental properties plus dividend achiever stocks that pay a dividend and the dividend continues to increase even during a recession. Um, so it, it, that I kind of gave you the baseline, but you have to really look at a financial plan, your tax situation, your income needs, how you react to volatility. How did you react in 2008 and nine? Did you say, okay, man, I wish I had more cash to buy right now because this is the biggest buying opportunity of the next decade? Or did you sell out? If you sold out, you know, you need to be more conservative because you made an emotional mistake and you don't want to do it
2: again. So kind of trying to wrap this up in a cute phase. Again, people can jump online and go to newfocusfinancial.com. And Mondays and Tuesdays, they can hear your show here from 2 o'clock to 3 o'clock on AM 1220, which I highly recommend people should do. Um, Sign up for events at newfocusfinancial.com, radio at 25. And also there's plenty of downloadables. What would you say the 20 to 40-year-old, you know, that's out there who's adverse to risk? Because there are people who, you know, saw the 2008 correction who saw the 2000 correction and they're just they've seen the corrections and they're more fearful than the new highs per se yeah
3: and a lot of times if a 20 or you know 20 to 40 year old is is too conservative it's because they kind of pay attention to media versus actually looking at the numbers and you can even simply take the s&p 500 and just break it down look at a 20 year year over year return of the s&p 500 and learn how to embrace volatility. Very rarely does it earn you know, 10 or 11% like its average over the last 100 years. It's usually you know, about much about higher seconds. or much lower. Yep. Um, so keep investing in stocks and also invest in your ability to earn more money. The more money you
2: earn, the more aggressive you can be. Sounds good. CFP Chad Burton, you can hear him today at 2 o'clock. You can see him live in person. At the Elks Lodge in Palo Alto from 9 o'clock to 11 o'clock on the 20th to get in. We still have seats for that one. You can sign up at newfocusfinancial.com. Use the password radio25 to get in free. Listen to him later today at 2 o'clock here on AM 1220
1: KDOW. But Six twelve twenty. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM
2: 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Anything that you have questions about, I would love to chat with you. Don't be shy. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. We could start with the overall market. We could talk about your 401k for sure. Um, I saw a headline today, a man arrested in Phoenix in serial killings. A former city bus driver has been arrested in connection with a series of shooting attacks that left at least nine people dead. And a serial killer. Not like a Captain Crunch serial killer, like a person who does it again and again. It's a little upsetting when you see things like that. You look at it probably as a social and like, oh, the poor families. I look at it as a financial and go, oh, could you imagine a dad being shot and he was the primary source of income for a family of two or three? Um, things happen. So I want you to have the proper levels of insurance for obvious reasons. Um, cause things happen, you know. Uh, once you hit the age of 40, you start having friends that randomly, probably one, one every two or three years, dies randomly. Like, oh, I didn't know Phil had a bad heart. So insurance is there to protect you from randomness. Um, how many miles do you drive a year? Probably about 12,000. How many miles in 10 years? 120,000. And it's going to be one day when you go to the market, and it's going to be a two-mile drive, and bam, You're going to be fidgeting with your phone. You're going to be disciplining your kid. You're going to be changing the radio station. You're going to take your eyes off the light. You know that light is always green. It's not green. Holy mackerel, smack. So that's why you have car insurance. You know that you're going to drive 119,999 miles fine, but there's going to be one accident every 10 years. Something like that. They say the average person gets into two major accidents in their life, right? So hopefully you've already been in one or two and you're starting to put the potential of them behind you. Wall Street's trading higher today. Um, It's kind of got a little bit of its groove back that we started the year off with. Stocks poised, uh, you know, and they took reaction to Emmanuel Macron's victory in the French presidential election. Um, And there's a little bit of a a carryover. The, The volatility is so incredibly low right now. People are apathetic. And there was a song that I once knew when I was in college that was kind of never really even hit independently. It was like a, you know, a college band. And the song was Happy and Apathy. And right now we're at the lowest level since 1993. People are just apathetic. Stocks are better than bonds. Stocks are how I'm going to retire. Ooh, that apple looks pretty good. And you know, I'm going to say I'm almost fully invested. I've got more cash now than I've had in a while. But with that said, trees don't grow to the sky, and I'm realistic about that. The risk for downside is increasing every single day. Historically, the market's pull for due for a pullback. Um, now, since Donald Trump has been elected, the market's risen 14%. That's pretty amazing. That's a great run. We've seen a little bit of signs of weakness, um, along with full employment. The full employment kind of rock, scissors, papers beats the weakness in autos housing to me feels unaffordable for most Americans. Um, if you are not in then you're like, oh, you're on the sidelines, you're like, oh. Since Donald Trump's election in November, the market's up 14%. First quarter earnings were pretty positive, so that gives us a chance to say let's let's give it a little bit more time to run. Valiant Pharmaceuticals is up 16% today. They posted its first profit in six quarters. Indo International, Office Depot, and Marriott also had better-than-expected reported earnings. So those are all stories that are tied towards today's success. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Let's talk about some of the other types of insurance out there. You're not likely to die until you're 73 or 76-year-old, roughly, depending on if you're an older person now or if you're a younger person. Those numbers are going to go higher. So, why do you buy life insurance if you're not likely to die? Well, because some people have bad tickers, they're born that way. As uh, uh, Lady Gaga would say, she was born that way. Um, a lot going on in there, a lot going on in that sentence. Uh, t- other types of insurance, car insurance, right? In case you're in that one mile out of 120,000 that you look down and you hurt someone's car, you don't really want to dip into your emergency fund to replace a $20,000 Audi, your, your insurance company will do that. And that's why you go with insurance. For the record, I use Geico or USAA for my insurance. My father was in the military, and he didn't leave much of a legacy for me. Um, he was a pretty hardcore alcoholic, which I seemed to fit nicely into that model. Um, but even more importantly, uh, there was not a lot of money for my mom. And what's there? Well, he left her a nice pension, to be fair, the military pension. Uh, which is also one of the thing, cr- crazy things about the US. Uh, my dad was in the military for 30 years, and my mom's been in retirement now for 25, uh, earning basically 60, 65% of his pay that he had when he was retire- you know, retired. So I think that's worthy of note. Um, not worthy to get upset about, but you know, that's a messed up system. My dad has been getting paid, or my mom is getting paid for my dad's work from you know 25 plus years ago um, and pensions you know how what's that look like that means you know I, I'm not going to say my mom's on welfare cuz that's not quite right when you're talking about pensions but to me what that means is uh you know you are a taxpayer and you're paying my mom to live in retirement to get your calls on the air. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. (sighs) Apple's getting pressured right now to make a deal. So UBS, because they have so much cash, UBS is a big research house, and they're reminding Apple and Wall Street of Steve Jobs' words, companies forget what it means to make great products. Companies forget what it means to make great products. And whether you're talking about insurance, life insurance in case you die early, that's a great product. Or your phone, where you can go on vacation with a friend and you can use AirDrop and Bluetooth each other pretty fast and furious, and that's a great product. You can share photos from you know, phone to phone in less than a minute, yeah. Uh, so Apple's got a lot of cash and will they return it to the shareholders and or not is a big question. And analyst Steve Milinovich thinks Apple should keep its focus on the customer and not make it a big acquisition like Disney or Netflix to please shareholders. Uh, Netflix and Apple seems like a no brainer. Disney and Apple seems like a no brainer because one has content and one's got the greatest device on the planet to consume content. So <clears throat> Steve Jobs words companies forget what it means to make great products. And that's pretty powerful. Um, That's, again, life insurance or your phone. Look at everything you consume in your life. Look at all your investments. Do you own shares of Nike or do you own shares of Under Armour? Under Armour doesn't make very good athletic shoes. But they make good athletic apparel. But the money's in the shoes. You can find me online at Rob Black Show. Rob Black Show. Don't forget to always have an event coming up. Anytime there is an event coming up, you can go to my website, Rob Black Show. Use the radio code Radio25 for radio listeners to get in for free. Don't sign up for both events. Um, it's inappropriate because you're either a wealth accumulator or a wealth manager. The wealth management's in the morning, the wealth accumulator's in the afternoon. Sign up at robblackshow.com.
1: Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now. Back to Rob Black in Your Money on
2: AM1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening. You can always find the show at KDOW.biz streaming or a podcast. Also at Apple under Rob Black in Your Money. Pass the Word. Um joining me now to talk a little bit about the markets and insights, as he always has for many years, and I've followed him for almost twenty years now. Uh, Patrick O'Hare. Patrick O'Hare with briefing.com. You can find him at briefing.com. How are you, Mr. O'Hare?
4: Hey, good morning, Rob. I'm doing well. It's nice to be back with you.
2: It's good to have you. It's uh, Like I said, it's been almost 20 years that you've been stuck in your same position, and I've been stuck following you, and it's been a good relationship, even though it's been passive for most of it, but uh, I always enjoy our interaction. Jeff Gunlock's out there today saying something about shorting the market. It's one of those headlines that a lot of people will see, and they're like, Who's Jeff Gunlock? And uh, why should I short the market? And some people will react to that. Um, markets are hitting all time highs. It's kind of crazy, and uh, volatility is incredibly low. Is Jeff Gunlock onto something because of the passive nature of the volatility?
4: right well he you know he set that up also as a as what's called a pair trade too i believe he's also um said he'd be long the emerging markets ETF and and uh while he doesn't uh, while he is calling for a short of the S&P 500 um he qualified that that doesn't mean he thinks that the bottom's going to fall out here right that we're going to see like a major you know major decline it's more of a a relative um value trade, if you will. Um, he recognizes that the S&P 500 is trading with a premium valuation here and is pretty much priced uh, for perfection in many respects, uh, whereas um, some of the emerging markets are, are sporting some more attractive valuations, so it sounds to me as if his his presumption is that the the near-term, anyhow would favor, um, you know, those emerging markets more so than the S&P 500, which has gotten to this point here, these new record highs on narrowing leadership um, and without a lot of sponsorship, really, from some important groups, namely the financials and the right. transports. So something to keep a close eye on there. Uh, but uh, but I think it's important, I think, for listeners to understand that, I mean, he he's a very uh, a very good investor, well informed, but he's not necessarily calling for a you know, for the bottom to drop out here.
2: You mentioned the financials and the transports and let me tell the audience quickly what I think that means and see if you agree or disagree. If the transports are moving higher, it's basically saying six months from now that Stock market's a discounting mechanism that we're going to be shipping and flying and and boating and training stuff across and doing commerce, uh, which is a good thing. And if the financials are higher, basically they're funding all this future commerce and uh, consumption, whether it be through credit or through loans or through construction. Um, Is that the basic idea of why we look for transports and financials to lead?
4: yes uh you know the transports in particular are are leading indicators right um particularly as uh you know in, when you look at the railroads in particular, which have a really uh almost complete domestic concentration here so if the uh the railroad companies are are shipping more product and um it tends to be read as a as an encouraging signal about the pace of economic activity and and recent earnings reports uh, from the likes of c s x uh, norfolk Southern uh, Union Pacific have have pointed to that to that uh, visit to that outcome really that you know volumes have have increased for those railroad operators which is a good thing to see um, so it remains a hopeful sign but remarkably the transport average in total uh, which also includes uh, airlines and, and shipping companies um, and trucking companies. Um, hasn't really been uh, living up to the high economic growth expectations that are part of this market of narrative that we've seen this year. In fact, the transports um, you know, are underperforming by quite a significant margin in 2017, um, uh, little change for the year versus a 7% gain for the S&P 500. So that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, and then with respect to the financials, you're absolutely right. I mean, they uh, help grease the the wheels of growth here with the u s economy through their lending activities um, and while they certainly had a tremendous run following the uh, the election, um, they too have underperformed in the early part of two thousand and seventeen here with the s and p five hundred financial sector up about two percent against the seven percent return for the uh, for the s and p five hundred now some of that could be attributed just to a, uh, a period of consolidation after such an impressive run. So in other words, people are taking some profits, mindful that the sector got overbought here in the near term, uh, you know, and maybe it's spending some time moving laterally in more of a, a consolidation correction period versus actually, you know, falling sharply in a, in a true correction. Um, so, so we'll see, but some of the, the lending activity of late has not been as robust. Uh, as again, the market narrative would suggest it would be, and and they've, uh, the financials have have been caught up really in this um, in the flattening yield curve that's been been noticed this year as well, which has been somewhat contradictory as well to the. <laughs> to the optimistic uh, economic growth expectations. So a bit of a wait-and-see attitude is permeating that space here. Uh, But without the support of the financial sectors in particular, uh, it's hard to have a lot of conviction in the sustainability of this uh, this move to a new high here in the S&P 500.
2: It's not really lost on me that Apple's kind of carrying the market on some levels. They're part of the Dow Jones Industrial Average. They've had an amazing year. But it's not lost on me that Alphabet, Google, is running to 1,000. Apple's running to all-time highs. Facebook's hitting all-time highs. Amazon's running to 1,000. Jeff Bezos is about to become the richest man on the planet. Um, it's funny. It's, I mean, those are the names that we always talk about, and some of them are running to big, fat numbers, and all of them are hitting all-time highs.
4: Yeah, it it's uh it's been a very supportive uh component of this run to to new highs for the broader market. You know, I mentioned at the top of the interview it's kind of been more of a narrowly led advance. Um uh but with the size of those respective companies uh from a market cap standpoint and the uh, uh the relative strength they've been exhibiting this year, uh it's it's been a a, a really important supportive influence here for the major indices you know when when you have apple with an 800 billion dollar market cap you know up 32 33% in just the last 5 months or so um it carries some weight in terms of uh you know lifting um lifting the broader indices uh and lifting the spirits of investors here but i think there is uh what you're starting to see though uh build here is really some some concentration risk you know in the sense that Everyone loves those stocks, you know, and everyone is buying those stocks. Everyone seems to be recommending those those names and uh and while they you'll know, have Certainly have some fundamental fuel driving some of that out performance. Um, You you know, you're getting to a point here, I think, where they are getting overextended, and certainly on a short-term basis here. And and, you know, if they start to roll over in a way, I I would expect to see the broader market roll over as well. So, as we kind of like probe along these new record highs here, we're not truly breaking out with any conviction yet. Uh, It becomes important to watch the performance of those particular names. Uh, as well as what we alluded to earlier, the performance of the financials and the transports, because if they collectively start to underperform, uh, then you could see the uh, the broader market start to to do a lot uh, worse than it currently
2: is. I'm still involved in the personal financial industry, but I used to be directly involved with trading, and <clears throat> I've I'm actually becoming softer because I saw your comment on the volatility index. Uh, hitting 9.77, hitting its lowest close since 1993. I'm apathetic. I'm kind of enjoying looking at my portfolio. I'm going, ah, oh, that's nice. I want to open my statement. Um, I'm in for a shock at some point in time, right? We're going to have a month or two that's just bad, or sideways, and maybe six months. Like uh, I'm going to get to a point where it doesn't keep going higher, because I'm, I'm getting. I'm telling you, I'm starting to become apathetic. I'm starting to become, the. I'm okay with it. Let the market go higher, and that makes me feel a little weird it 's
4: understandable Rob um, you know when you've you 've had a market that just is exhibiting really no volatility no no signs of, of fear really that anything extremely bad is going to happen, it does make you a little uneasy just knowing that you saw um, the vix index as well um, run at very low levels leading up to uh, kind of the two thousand and seven top as well now. The fact that the VIX index is at such level, low levels as it is doesn't necessarily mean that you know something really bad is going to happen right away. I mean, that can stay at a very low level for an extended period of time, and it has without there being any real upset in the market. But it's important, I think, for for investors to you know assess uh, their respective portfolios and whether they're comfortable with. Uh, with the risk here that could come with uh, with some type of upset in the market, because what the VIX index also suggests is that a lot of people are offside in terms of their positioning here, that they're not expecting bad things to happen. And so if something turns to force things the other way in a trend-like fashion, uh, you could get some really aggressive selling activity that kind of builds on itself, and then you see the momentum trade work the other way, and then all of a sudden, like you allude to, your 401k statement's not looking so so strong. Um, But as of right now, you certainly have a nice fundamental layer of support with strong earnings growth. Uh, You have the market continuing to embrace the prospect of tax reform happening before uh, the end of the year or early next year. Uh, And it's not seeing any real signs of um, uh, notable risk here on the near horizon. Um, I think that's a little bit um, too complacent, knowing that you know the geopolitical scene certainly is very unstable still and and what's going on in China here is starting to grab people's attention in terms of their financial markets so so something to be on alert for but uh it's never i don't think good to be apathetic about uh, the market i think you need to be in, uh, interested in what's going on and and kind of have your radar up so uh and right now this is probably a good period to to have one's radar up
2: Thanks very much. As always, good insight. People can find out more about Patrick O'Hare and briefing.com. It's a resource that I've used for almost 20 years. That's coming up in about a year, I'll be able to say 20 years. uh, Great resource, briefing.com, great insight from Patrick O'Hare. There's a lot of content there that goes beyond just market commentary. There's a lot of stock-specific stuff. There's a lot of analyst research and much, much more. I'm Rob Black. Whether you're 20 years old or 60, managing your money can get complicated. So set aside Saturday, May 20th, and get ready to learn some strategies that can help you build wealth, invest confidently, retire better, and pass on your estate while minimizing taxes. That's May 20th at the Palo Alto Elks Lodge. We have two seminars lined up. The morning event runs from 9 to 11 with a focus on retirement income and estate planning. If you're nearing retirement, this one's for you. We'll explain how to transition your portfolio from the accumulation phase to the income phase, which accounts to draw from first, how to protect your estate from long-term care costs, and much, much more. Our afternoon seminar is all about investing for your first million. From one to three, we'll cover the building blocks of a successful portfolio, from investing basics to 401ks, Roth IRs, real estate, taxes, and investing tips. Two separate seminars, May 20th at the Palo Alto Elks Lodge. Sign up for either event at roblackshow.com, only $25. For kiddo day listeners I wave the feet just use promo code radio25 that's roblox.com promo code radio25 It's like
1: right now It's like It's like right now It's like right now Call Rob black now 800 516 1220 That's 800 800- 516-1220 Now back to Rob Black and your money on AM twelve twenty KDOW. Live it once to live it right. So nice, so nice. So let it take away to you on the get away. My friends, your friends.
2: I'm Rob Black. Talking all things financial, money, invested, in more. I try to put together a show that's pleasing to hear within reason. Maybe sometimes the music you'll like. Sometimes you'll like the content that I throw out. Um, they're a high-profile venture capitalist, um, head of social capital. He thinks the electric car maker Tesla will, could be worth hundreds of billions of dollars in the next decade. Tesla's market cap right now is about $50 billion. So Apple could buy them with 20% of their cash. And truly, we spend more time in our cars than we should. Although there is a trend where millennials don't feel the urge or the need to own a car, they'll share someone's car, ride sharing. Um, but this CEO is basically saying, you know, there's so many reservations for the Model 3, basically $16 billion in sales. It's an incredibly intensive endeavor. Tesla has been famously burning through billions of dollars of cash. Um, the company is almost uncopyable on a lot of levels. Amazing thing right now is the analog of comparing Tesla to Apple. Apple with the iPhone was revolutionary. Tesla with the electric car is revolutionary. It's almost the same exact playbook. Make something that people go, ooh, ah, Paul McGraw. Say, ooh, ah, Paul McGraw. Um, so Tesla is tracking Apple they just came out with word at Tesla about a Model Y coming in 2020. It looks like it's going to be another uh SUV, maybe more SUV than their current one. I feel that their current SUV is not much of an SUV, if you know what I'm saying. It looks like a glorified big car. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's eight hundred five one six twelve twenty. I don't own shares of Tesla, and I always wish that I could figure out a way to do it but in the end they're burning through cash is something that counts rules me out it's one of my standards i don't like companies that dilute shareholders on a regular basis i like companies like apple who give cash back to shareholders so that's in my head right there's a mental calculation most people do upon you know shattering their iphone screen and should i fix it immediately or wait to buy a whole new phone have you ever done that i've never shattered an iphone screen a lot of times you'll go to Apple and to repair it 150 bucks, and that mental calculation in your head 150 bucks new phone, 150 bucks new phone is one of the reason that Apple has got us kind of upgrading our phones every two to three years, and sometimes every three to four is when Apple starts to get hurt. And the fact that you know when you go in, they're like, "Oh, look at the new phone." Um, it's, it's it speaks volumes to you. It doesn't make sense for you to go out and buy an iPhone 7 if you break an iPhone 6S. But if you break an iPhone 6 or a 5, you're going to go, ooh, there's a lot of things that are different. So repair quest for iPhone 5 spiked right after the release of iPhone 6 and 6 Plus. Request for the 6 spike right after the release of the 6S. Request to repair the 6S spike right after the launch of the 7. Um, so Apple kind of has us right where they want us. Got you where I want you. Now I'm going to eat you. Credit card bro- growth is something that I pay a lot of attention to. Over 171 million consumers now have a credit card. Credit card balances are also creeping higher. Delinquencies are relatively low. number of credit card accounts in the United States is rising quickly. This is a problem uh, because we're living on other people's money. Now, you know me, OPP, um, different but similar. <laughs> you can't live on other people's credit, other people's money. Uh, forever. So 2.7 credit cards per consumer, with the total number of cards in circulation now at 405 million. That number peaked at 496 million back in 2008. So what does this tell you? 2008, we're on the record number of credit, and ooh, things didn't look so good. Uh, The delinquency rate's pretty low. Right now, we're at 1.69%. So banks know that they can give credit cards to 98% of us and we're gonna pay them back. So the 2% or the 1.69 that does not pay them back, um, they write off, it's no big deal because they're making basically 12 to 25% interest on the other people. Some carry balances, some don't. I always recommend do not carry a balance. Uh, the average debt per borrower has grown in the last year from $5,100 to $5,300. That's pretty interesting to note. A lot of the new credit cards have come with improvement in the jobs market and low unemployment. Um, originations are a key driver of growth for the industry. Card users, issuers have continued to up the ante with better rewards and sign up bonuses. Um, that's worthy of note, right? Average total credit line for subprime consumers is $33,000. So that's the credit line for the uh, people with bad credit. Subprime, right? You're like, really? We're willing to lend $33,000 to people who probably can't pay it back? Yep. Pretty cool. Amazon has introduced a new Echo. It's called the Echo Show. And you can talk to it. Hey, Alexa, play me some Beatles. And Alexa is at your service kind of thing. Amazon unveiled the new Echo Show today. Amazon currently owns more than 70% of the voice-controlled speaker market. The Echo Show is available for $229. Now, here's what's cool about it. It's got a screen on it. So so what they want to do is basically connect to your Wi-Fi and start using the screen for you to have conversations like you do with your uh, iPhone FaceTime, right? Echo Show has a 7-inch touchscreen and a front-facing camera that can be used for video calls. It supports voice calling between Alexa devices, including other Alexa Echo units or tablets. Um, It's also compatible with smartphone home products such as Ring and Arlo smart cameras. Um, so Amazon continues to be the Apple of the 21st century, um, coming out with innovative product. Apple's going to come out with something this June. Will it, will it be this re- rich in features? Will it be this much of a great idea? Will it be a better sounding speaker? Apple's going to respond this June. And that's one of the reasons Apple stock is hitting all time highs right now. Apple and Amazon are rocking it. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show.